Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to another episode of the Ringers Philly Special. I'm Sheil Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak and Cliff Augustine. The 2023 draft is in the books. We got some surprises with the Eagles picks on day three. We got a little trade. Benny Souls, is this your last piece of sort of draft content for draft weekend? That Oh. I'm sorry, are you are you skipping extra point taken on Monday? Are you just not gonna be joining me on the show? It's Monday. That doesn't count uh, as the weekend. <laughs> that, the that's weekend. a year away. That's why yeah, I said weekend. I've got this. I got flying back on Sunday, and then Monday, extra point taken, my final words on the draft. And after that time, you will uh you'll hit my phone up, Shield, and it will say this number has been disconnected. This line cannot be <laughs> dialed. Answering machine is full. I'm gonna be out fishing where there is no cellular service, and I will not be returning anytime soon. Looking forward to it. Well, with the number of uh, you know unread text messages you have on your phone already, I don't know that it's going to be like that different. You know, what's that going to get to? Like ten thousand? But are the you end of a, are you a big zero uh, inbox guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I mean, you look at mine right now. You look at my Gmail. I've got two. Like my Spotify email, I've got zero. I'm looking at it right now, and there are zero te- unread text messages on my phone. Nah. I, I don't understand. How are you are you familiar? Any other are way. you familiar with the alignment chart? Well, like lawful to chaotic, good to bad. You know what I'm talking about? I, I am not, no. Now, for, so first, you got to play more Dungeons and Dragons. Secondly, we are on opposite <laughs> poles of the alignment chart, and that's what makes this podcast good, is you're all lawful, 
and I'm all chaotic. And this is just this this is the balance of the world. I think that sounds right. All right, let's get to the birds. Exciting start to the fourth round. We didn't think they were going to be picking 105 in the fourth round. They trade up. They trade a 2024 third to the Houston Texans for that pick, and they take your boy. Keely Ringo, cornerback from Easy. Georgia. Benny Stoles was talking about him in the pre-draft process. He liked him. He said, I don't know why this guy's slipping. I don't know why people are talking about this guy being a safety. This is a good football player. Six foot two, 207. Hasn't even turned 21 years old yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27 starts in the last two seasons. 19 passes defended, four interceptions, ran 4-3-6. So great straight line speed. Uh, a terrible three cone, which is you know kind of reflected on film in the in the tight hips, which we talked about uh, in the pre-draft podcast. And so a little what I thought on film, a little tight and robotic, uh, but flashes for sure. A little grabby. Don't love his change of direction, but I can see it. He has the tools to be uh, a solid cornerback if he can in the right scheme. If he can fix some of those things. So how excited were you that they moved up? And they took Keely Ringo here at this spot at 105. I was thrilled. It's it's it is a great, great selection. Firstly, they trade up like with like 20 minutes left till the draft starts, red day three. And I'm just looking at the Saints and the Raiders, I'm like, what do those teams need? What do the Eagles need? And I was like, oh, this might be a might be a little corner run. So I tweeted out, like, could this be corner? And people were like, Yeah, it's gonna be Keely Ringo. And I was like, nah, they'd never. They could even for the bit, they can't do it. And then lo and behold, for the bit, we get a fifth Georgia defender in two years. 45% of the Georgia 2021 national champion defense currently plays for the Philadelphia Eagles in the, in the 2021, 2022 college football playoff national championship. The Eagles defense had 22 tackles, three passes defense they had an interception. They had a sack. It was all birds. The future great Philadelphia Eagles. Keely though, like I, the player that I brought up when we were talking about him in the pre-show was Rasul Douglas, which isn't a one-to-one comparison, but I think it's a helpful archetype for Eagles fans to understand like how Keeley is going to be used, where he's going to thrive, where he's not going to thrive. If you are playing Keeley Ringo, cover one, there's a single high safety. He's playing man coverage, following a guy everywhere. It, unless he's covering DK Metcalf, it's going to be challenging for him. Like he, he's, he's not going to be sticking with the Terry McLaurins of the world, right? The CD lambs of the world. Like these, these NFC East route runners who are really, really, really good separators. If you are playing zone coverage and you let a guy with this speed, this size, play with eyes and close down on the catch point with ball skills, then then I think you're really cooking with gas. I also think he can be a better man coverage defender than he was. Uh, they 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 put a ton on his plate at Georgia, right? In terms of like alignments and coverages and off the ball and on the ball. And if you just kind of get this guy pressing and, and with good press technique, he's going to be able to take away a lot of those good releases and those quick routes that will otherwise cause him trouble in off coverage. Um, fundamentally, like talk, take the scouting report out of it. 18-year-old started at the University of Georgia. Comes in the league, right, going to turn 21 with 30 career starts under his belt in the SEC. That's just a great profile to be getting in round four. Getting a guy who's young, but experienced, and he's not hes not a, a complete and, and, and total incredible athlete, but this is 90th percentile height weight with 90th percentile speed. Like, in terms of, like, big man moving, this is big man moving. Uh, so you just, that profile alone, I think is great. And then I personally like the film. I didn't have a lot of, of transfer to safety concerns or issues. And if you have to transfer him, transfer him, try to transfer him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it's not a bad thing to have a trap door on some of your prospects. Talked about Tyler Steen going from tackle to guard the other day, right? And so I, I think Keely Ringo was a excellent pick. As good of a pick as they made 
over the course of this entire draft. And then the bit on top of it, just cherry on top with another bulldog. Yeah, big, fast, 20 years old, has played football. Take a shot. I mean, it's the 105th pick. This isn't the this isn't the 12th pick that you're taking. Right. Uh, Keely Ringo. I mean, if you get a av- honestly, if you get an average starting corner in the fourth round, that's like a home run of a pick. And there's legitimate upside given the physical tools and how old he is. Now, of course, the question becomes: Well, then, smart guys, why did he get passed on 104 times with this picture? that you're painting. Uh, there were some reporting about character makeup concerns. I can't remember who yep. the reporter uh, was there. There was, there was a shoulder injury in 2020, but since then he played in 30 straight games the previous two years. Uh, Howie Roseman said during his pre-draft press conference that neither of those things were uh, concerns for him. Uh, Ringo was 38th on Arif Hassan's uh, consensus big board and he goes 105th. So, uh, any thoughts on why he's available at this spot? I mean, remember the Eagles took two players on Friday that were not Keely Ringo. You know, they they took uh, they took an offensive lineman and a safety instead of Ringo. So I, I know they said they were thinking about him at that spot, but push comes to shove, they weren't willing to draft him there. So they kind of fall in the same categories. A lot of the other teams that let him slip. What do you think? Is it uh, is it the character work ethic that that type of the category uh i know it's vague so i really hate even putting those labels on players when we don't have anything specific or did it have more to do with his film and his fit in some of these schemes like you talked about i think that the injury history and the scheme fit and the testing fit provide nice color and 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 background and and excuses and trapdoors and justification for the like the character stuff, like we didn't really necessarily like him as a guy, right? And like that's that's a big part of the NFL draft process, even though maybe it shouldn't be as large of an of a part of the NFL draft process as it is. Um, yeah, when you talk when like you you talk to people about Ringo, the sense that you get is that he's just like the NFL thinks he's kind of kind of like a, a a difficult case. He's just a little bit of a of a head case. He's a little bit obstinate, difficult to coach. Like you know, like. Like I said, like eighteen year old who started at the University of Georgia, like that's incredible. But also like five star recruit, yeah, yeah, five star recruit, eighteen year old who started at the University of Georgia had a national championship game ceiling pick six. Like it's just, uh, I, I think there's, there's, you know, the way that he approaches the game and practice and 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 whatever that that teams had concerns about. You've seen a lot of prospects have those concerns go on to be great pros. You've seen a lot of guys who don't have that concern go on to be pros who have issues with that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the pseudoscience of the NFL draft is really. Talk about a moving target. Talk about kind of throwing darts in the dark. Um, and so I think that's part of the fall. That like the injury thing, like it like it was reminiscent to me of Nicobe Dean, right? Where it's like, okay, plays the position well, but doesn't have the exact athletic profile you'd like. Nicobe Dean was a size thing. Keely Ringo was a tightness and, and mobility thing. Has an injury background, you know, but still like somebody should be taking a gamble on this guy at this point, right? By now, right? And Howie Roseman just goes, Yeah, that'll be me. And that's the thing. That's like I wrote about Howie in, in my draft takeaways column. He was like my big thing, and it was basically what like like uh, Howie just consistently takes the risk. Just any time, like like Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Darius Slay, who's getting a little bit old, and 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 Javon Hargrave has been a nose tackle in, in a penetration for like every time. That, like it feels like so often when there's a move that like Jalen Carter pick Nolan Smith is two hundred forty pounds. When there's a move that there there's a way to talk yourself out of it. Roseman goes, yeah, but like, what if it works? <laughs> like, like, 
He's just willing to incur risk. He is willing to take uh, draft capital, right? Traded a future third for this pick to draft Ringo. He is willing to take resources and spend them on risky propositions. And if you do that on one risk and it doesn't work, you're in the red. You lost money. You lost value. You took a hit. But if you take eight risks, three of them hit, the value of those three outweighs the loss of the five misses. And here you are building a good team. There was a, I saw like a tweet from a a reporter. I can't remember who it was. That was like, GMs are getting pissed with how much, uh, it was a rap said it on, on the broadcast. He said, GMs, other GMs are getting uh, frustrated. No, Schrager, Schrager. Uh, I think BLG, yeah, BLG tweeted out that Schrager said it. Yeah. Yeah. Schrager said other GMs are getting upset with all the praise Roseman's getting. Get on the court. Compete. Like uh, Rose, Roseman, Roseman is out here on a ledge, making high risk decisions, and like the Jalen Hurts decision got him very heavily criticized. In 2020, Eagles fans are calling Roseman to be fired. Like he takes risks as a general manager that has bad lulls to it, has big misses to it, and it has big big wins to it. Now Roseman has something that those other GMs might not, which is like implied job security like Jeffrey Lurie really believes in Howie Roseman's ability to, to build a team so Roseman can take these risks and believe that his job's not in jeopardy and other GMs don't get that and and that would be frustrating to see from the outside but like Ringo is an example of where I'm going to trade a future pick to move up with a guy with an incomplete profile but if he hits man like top 40 player on the consensus board I got at 105 that's good business I think it speaks to uh Coaching also, I mean, there are coaches who would, would, you know, this is a collaborative process and and obviously Howie Roseman has the final say, but if you have a coach, remember they were looking at Josh McDaniels when they hired right. Nick Sirianni. You're not, ma- you're not making these picks if Josh McDaniels is your coach. Like he, he will not be like, yes, bring me, let's take a risk on Jalen Carter. I will coach him. You know, don't worry about it. Our environment is strong. At least I, I don't believe so. And so um, I think it speaks to Sirianni having the confidence them having the confidence in kind of the whole organization that we can take these risks and these guys can work out here. Uh, yeah, that was funny when I read the BLG tweeted that out from Schrager because uh, this I, I know in the past Howie Roseman has probably, I'll say probably, uh, maybe I yeah. might know it a little stronger than that, had issue with other GMs getting a lot of credit when he thought that might not be deserved. And this goes on in a, a lot, you know, GMs, when it's they like, see each yeah. other, they uh, shake hands and, oh yeah, we love doing business. And then when they can rip a guy uh, behind their back or when they think the media is in love with somebody who they don't think is great, <laughs> and they're not afraid to say that to reporters. So that uh, was certainly an interesting uh, tweet there from BLG that Peter Schrager was reporting. All right, that's Keely Ringo. Next big move, Eagles trade for DeAndre Swift. How Philly about native, it? the Lions. Yeah, Philly native, St. Joe's prep. The Lions uh, draft Jameer Gibbs at number 12. They signed David Montgomery in the offseason. That obviously left DeAndre Swift without a place there. He's entering the final year of his contract. 35th overall pick in 2020. Uh, 1,680 rushing yards in three seasons, has averaged 4.6 yards per carry, uh, has missed 10 games over the past three seasons, and is only 24 years old. What did you think about their move to trade for DeAndre Swift? Yeah, good move, right? Like, that low risk, high reward, but extremely cheap running back. The Eagles are playing less than $3 million total for Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift at this point. Uh, talent. He was highly drafted. Good pass catcher. Good in space. 
got, you know, like Eagle, he had ripped off a big run on the Eagles in week one, right? He's got explosive ability when he's healthy. And he's not going to have to be a lion's share of the carry guy here. He wasn't necessarily that when he was with Detroit either. Uh, Jamal Williams, they had some backups. But part of the rotation gives you a little bit of Rashad Penny injury insurance, gives you a little bit of a Kenny Gainwell uh, guy to spell. Solid. I think that the general football opinion of DeAndre Swift is probably too high because he was like really early drafted in fantasy and like was early drafted and was great at Georgia. Awesome at Georgia. In the NFL, I think he's a solid rotational back, but adding him super cheap, trading, I mean, a fourth round pick, but multiple years in the future. Mm. And, and, and now, like, you know, we were talking about they're going to have to draft running back add to the room. Well, they added to the room with a guy who's being in the league and you've seen it work and you're not you're not throwing a dart in the dark you're kind of throwing the dart in the light a little bit um and he's from here and his dad's super jacked st joe's prep baby like i just like it's just it's, it's a perfectly fine day three ad veteran trade i don't want to get too far over our skis and being like john is going to be good now he's going to benefit from playing on the eagles but swift's just solid rotational back who if he's healthy for 16 games great if he's healthy for 10 games gonna give you 10 good games yeah, it was a seventh-round pick swap, and then they give up a 2025 fourth-round pick. Swift is entering Barry Gennardi the final revives year of, on the fourth-round pick multiple years in the future, <laughs> which is not a great. That's not a great precedent. I he will, will give you that. Yeah, I think he will give them more than uh, Gennard Avery did. I was looking up his numbers because yeah, I kind of was thinking about it. Like, and when I watch him play, I always like DeAndre Swift, but I know that there's a reason that the Lions don't want him, and the numbers haven't been staggering. So uh, there's been 42 running backs with at least 300 carries over the last three seasons. Among that group, Swift ranks 11th in yards per carry, but he ranks 36th out of 42 in success rate. So I think that speaks to a little what you were saying. There is a boom or bust element to DeAndre Swift's game. He's had four runs of 50 plus yards uh, over the last three seasons. So he absolutely has that home run hitting ability. He has yeah. not to this point point been a sustainer where it's just like, all right, you know, most of his runs uh, are going to be efficient. Most of his runs are going to be positive EPA, EPA. I actually think that's okay, specifically in this offense and specifically as a complimentary back. I mean, we've seen it. We saw it with Miles Sanders. You're going to have opportunities to break runs when you have Jalen Hurts, when you have this offensive line, when you have this scheme. And so to have somebody who can break those runs, I think uh, is a big advantage there. So uh, I like the move. I like the room a lot more where with DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. All right. Now, now you got a lot of, uh, uh, what do we usually say? Stakes in the, stakes in the fire, arrows in the quiver. Uh, What's the the darts at the board? You got, uh, uh, I like to say arrows (laughs) in the quiver. This is really just like swings at the plate. This is, yeah, this is, uh, uh, oven, uh what is it? Uh, now you messed me up. Oven's in the fire, Stokes, you know, like, uh, uh, is there something in the fire? There's something in the fire. There's definitely something in the fire, but now I want to say Stokes, which is what you said, even though it's wrong. Logs? Don't um, you put logs in a fire? Yeah, but that's like cumulative. This is like you're cooking four different things in the fire, okay. so one of them is good and you can eat it. Yeah, uh, you just want one. A lot of swings to the plate. A lot, a lot of opportunities. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. <laughs> if you are, if you're a regular Philly, Philly special listener, oh, I love the show. Big fan, Ben and Shield. I'm so worried that I'm going to miss out this year on Ben's once per month complaining of Miles Sanders not hitting a hole correctly. Buddy, DeAndre Swift solving our problems. All right. If you, if you, if you thought Miles Sanders was just a, a maddeningly inconsistent hole hitter, wait until you watch you some DeAndre Swift. That's going to, uh, it's a nice little trope we get to keep going here on the show. Thank you for that, Philadelphia.
Listen, if you break a if you break break a big run consistently enough, you're allowed to choose your way. That's the Lashawn McCoy uh, rule. <laughs> Not that either of these guys are Lashawn McCoy. I would never say that, but uh, if if you break enough runs, you're allowed to do that. Like you said, good pass catchers. Pass catching numbers actually are really impressive. Uh, 1,198 yeah, really receiving impressive. yards over the last three seasons. That ranks fifth among all running backs, and he's an explosive playmaker as a pass catcher. Nine catches of 20 plus yards over the last three seasons. That ranks tied for fifth among all backs with Austin Eckler. I mean, really, that, that, is, really, that surprised yeah. me when I was looking at Really good up. screen back. Really good screen back. Which, like, the Lions are just a good screen team. Uh, but when, when you think about how he transitioned on the Eagles and what he brings that they definitely don't have in the room. Like, can't, Gainwell's, I think, an okay screen back. But Gainwell likes to, like, kind of get the, the defense in front of him. Swift is good on a screen. Uh, I think that'll be a nice usage for him with the Eagles. You know, little little second and 10 from the 35. Little Andy Reid classic call screen in the edge of field goal range. So if it goes badly, we get knocked out of field goal range for some reason. Nick Sirianni loves it. Like that, that works for me. It, somebody asked me today, they're like, is Swift going to start? And I was like, no, because they like Gainwell and they signed Penny and everything. But if you made me guess right now, all of the Eagles backs are healthy for the whole season. Who has the most games in which they lead the backfield and touches. I think I'd guess Swift just because of the receiving aspect of it. But it's really, it is hard. Like it's like, and it's not, it's not gonna be a meaningful lead. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, like one guy's going to dominate. Like, they're, they're, there's going to be yeah. as, as big of a committee as you've ever seen. Yeah. Penny at his best was a far better back than Swift has been just in terms of carrying the football. But as we've been over, Big injury risk there. So uh, Swift isn't going to, we know, we know Hertz isn't going to throw a lot of check downs. His scramble is his check down, but screens, those Texas routes that uh, Kenny Gainwell was running last year, you know, maybe a little bit of Swift in there. And then I had to look up just for you a little bit of Swift's pass blocking stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I don't, I do generally do not like PFFs, any other grades, but like a running back pass blocking, it should be pretty easy. Like, did that guy run him over? Or did he stop that guy? Uh, it was not good when he was asked to do it in 2021. It was the one of the worst among pass uh, among running backs in the NFL, and he wasn't asked to do a lot of it last year. So take that for whatever it's worth. But as we know, you got to be able to uh, block a little bit, pick up a blitz on third down if you're going to stay on the field. So that's something to keep an eye on. All right, let's take a quick break. We will come back. We will talk about the rest of their pick. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. 
But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. All right. We are back on the Ringers Philly special. We talked about the fun stuff. Keely Ringo, DeAndre Swift, both fun. The next pick, we I would not the exactly big guns for last. Tanner McGee, baby. <laughs> QB Factory is open Clayton. for business. <laughs> Clayton Thorson, part two, as many of us like to call it. Uh, oh, I haven't heard that name in pick many years. 188. <laughs> Tanner McGee, quarterback from Stanford. So this was a pick they got from moving from 62 to 65. Tanner McKay, here's the here's the rundown. Six foot six, 231, started 21 games at Stanford, completed 63% of his passes with 28 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Gives you nothing as a runner, 134 career rushing yards. What this is from Dane Brugler, one of eight FBS quarterbacks to be sacked 40 plus times in 2022. That is not great. 6-15 and 15 record as a starter, also not great. Stanford finished 109th in scoring offense last year, also not great. Dane Brugler compared Tanner McKee to Mike Glennon, also not great. Now, having said all that, last time I criticized an Eagles quarterback pick, they took Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts just took them to the Super Bowl. To me, this feels like a waste of a pick. If he turns into an average backup, it's a home run. I don't think he's going to turn into an average backup. Uh, the best thing I can say, at least it was not Sean Clifford. Ben Solak, what say you yes, about Tanner McKee? very much at least it was not Sean Clifford. What a pick. Uh, How did Sean Clifford get drafted in the fifth round? Let's take it. Can you yes, explain yeah, that yeah. to me? I this could is not the, believe is, what my eyes were This is the seeing. important part of Philly special. Sean Clifford, <laughs> who... Earned a doctorate at the university at Penn State University. I don't know which way you, oh you put it in. Penn State University. You're alma mater. Penn State University. Uh, yeah. yeah. Someone got mad at you for Syracuse the other day. Syracuse, but I like digging at them a little bit. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Eight years he was at. Ten years, a decade. Sean Clifford was at Penn State, who and he was drafted 149 by the Green Bay Packers. And Tom Velocero tweets out NFL Network. Uh, they must have really loved him. Every team had a priority free agent grade. On Sean Clifford, which, oh, priority free agent grade. It's the oh. lowest grade you can give priority free agent. Like, actually grade a guy, lowest possible grade. This is just like, this is like a camp I would add player. a not a priority free agent. Yes, and, and put board. Sean Clifford there. Lance Zerline, NFL.com, yeah. main draft guy, ranked 500 players. Do you know where Sean Clifford ranked in the 500 players? <laughs> 500. He ranked 500, Shield. He ranked 500, okay? Oh, my God. Sean Clifford simply... Like when Penn State lost games, they lost it because Sean Clifford wasn't as good as the college quarterback he was facing, and now he he's developing behind Jordan Love. Like the Packers need quarterback security because they don't know what Jordan Love is, and they were like, Sean Clifford gives us the veteran presence that we need because he's he's gonna be twenty five, I think, when he takes his yeah, he turns twenty five in June, in July. Unbelievable, astounding pick, as bad as the Clayton Thorson pick, if not worse. Now. If a different draft nerd were on this show, they would tell you why they like Tanner McKee. Like there are some Tanner McKee fans in the building. Uh, Arm Nate Tice had a third round grade yeah. on him. Yeah, Tice and and, and Derek Klassen, previously Football Outsiders, uh, who are two of my buddies, talk quarterbacks with them pretty much all, all draft season, are both Tanner McKee guys. And I was just like, you guys can 
make a separate group chat if you want and just text each other about Tanner McKee. <laughs> I you can I am not there for it. Um McKee was weird to evaluate because he played in in the Wake Forest sort of offense which uh, uh just like weird RPO offense, really weird backfield behavior. It yeah, the slow mesh yeah. exactly. And and it's built for a quarterback with like a zippy arm and 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 quick feet. And Tanner McKee is Mike Glennon. Uh think Nick Foles. So it's just like it's not it was not built for him. Like he took a lot of those sacks because the, the the offense isn't built for pass protection and he does not have the mobility and escapability to account for that. So he was a little bit of a square peg in a round hole and, and that made it challenging. But I did not see the level of arm talent and 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 accuracy and and field vision and 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 release speed and just like I did not see enough of the traits necessary to create the pi- the picture of a pocket passer and that's only what he can be and exclusively what he can be. I cannot tell you how much this offense would have to change stylistically if Jalen Hurts went down and Tanner McKee went in. Just a 180, just a com- a complete 180 in terms of how they run the, how they run the <laughs> offense. Um, it couldn't be any yeah. more different. Yeah, yeah. So, but but if if Nate Tice were on the show, Derek Classen were on the show, they would tell you that he he does have a a, a a natural throwing arm, a natural throwing motion, and good natural accuracy, which like those are definitely his his strong traits. Such that like you know like uh, when they drafted McKe- uh, McKee, Mina, friend of the show, Mina Kimes. Uh, hit me up and was like Nick Foles to electric boogaloo because he is like a Nick Folesy type, right? Which is like, all right, he's not super fast in the pocket, but he's big, he's tall, and he'll grip it and rip it, right? He'll take a hit, he'll throw into into coverage. He trusts himself, and he's got some some stones to him. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a Clayton Thorson pick. It's it's this year's Ian Book. Congratulations to them. Got to got to pick a quarterback. You, you you're coming right off the Keely Ringo pick. Coming right off the DeAndre Swift trade, and you're like. What's the price of, of greatness? We are the kings of the league. No, we'll never die. And then Howard Wilson drafts Tanner McKean. You're like, all right, that's what we that's that's the thing we gotta live with. That's 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 the one uh the one the one blemish on an otherwise perfect draft is a little Tanner McKean in the sixth. Maybe maybe he saw the BLG tweet or heard Peter Schrager say that thing about other GMs are getting mad about how much love he's getting, and he's yeah. like, Oh, all right, I'm just gonna waste one here. I don't wanna rub it in and have people praising me any longer so i don't know tanner mckee hopefully he's a great guy and has a great career uh i just thought uh that that would not probably have been a pick that i would have made there in the sixth round all right eagles also made a trade before we get to the last pick they trade 191 in the sixth for a 2024 fifth from the bucks now they had previously traded two seventh round picks for 191 so they traded they, they turned two seventh round picks this year into a fifth next year, which seems like a nice piece yeah. of business. Which, by when they traded Howie for Roosevelt. 191, it was like in the the clock was in like the 160s, right? They like went to go get this. Pick. Yeah, that was weird. What yeah. was going on there? I I like obviously this is a very nerdy thing to say, but if I could ask Kyle Rosen one question about this entire draft, I'd be like, what was the? <laughs> how, like, interesting, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it's a like, good question. I, yeah, it's yeah like, the what? timing is so weird. Like, you yeah. don't even know who's gonna be there, right? And like Roseman is big on like you know the like this is the advantage this is the tactical advantage i'm just gonna go for it like this is the edge and so like if it was like oh like i think that like people are gonna want to start trading up given the way the board is falling so i'm just gonna go get a pick that somebody's gonna trade for i don't know that seems very like bold and guessworky but whatever anyway yeah they did that interchange and it was interesting and then congrats to them they got moro ojomo and then they took your boy moro moro ojomo Am I saying that right? Moro Ojimo, defensive yeah, yeah. tackle. 
Yeah, I looked it up earlier from Dan. I think that's right. Defensive tackle from Texas, seventh round, 249 overall, six foot three, 292, 29 starts at Texas. Tested well, specifically in the vertical and broad jumps. Played multiple love their spots jumpers. on Texas's defensive line. Stout run defender. Yeah, you were on that. Uh, you were on that when we were doing our seven round mocks and every prospect I've named, they've they've had uh, fantastic uh, jumping yeah, numbers. Ke- Kilo, to keep in mind uh, Keely, for, me, for my mock. Yeah, uh, Keely could have jumped a little bit better, but uh, again, like he's fallen. So you go and you get him. But yeah, yes, t- they tend to really like their fair. jumpers. Yeah. Uh, Dane, a lot of a lot of football people, including you, seem to really like Amoro Ojimo. Dane Brugler had a fourth or fifth round grade on him. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him as his 111th overall prospect. Eagles get him at 249. And I saw you tweeting that you liked an Ojimo, Ojimo too. So I like saying Ojimo. So that's going to be fun yeah. for me. Uh, why did you like him? What do you like about yeah, him? Yeah, so, uh, so Ojimo was, uh, yeah, I had a fifth round grade on him. He's pretty plug and chug depth defensive lineman, right? Uh, the really nice thing is this, uh, 6'3", 290 with vines, right? Arm length uh, over 34 inches, wingspan 83 inches. This guy's got length to him. One of the things that, that you hear me talk about a lot, yeah, I talked about this a lot with Adetomiwa at a bar at a Northwestern, who's a player we talked about in mock drafts, the ability to play on the inside shoulder of that tackle, right? Four eyes, what the technique is called. You see, like, coaches say that occasionally. But basically, like an increasingly important role in college defenses and then NFL defenses is having that guy who usually lines up between the guard and the tackle. Think Fletcher Cox, think like a 310 pound defensive tackle. But instead of having that body type, you want to have this like 280, 285, 290 pound guy who's a little bit thinner, a little bit more of a pass rusher. He, he doesn't line up on the guard, he lines up on the tackle. And it's just a, it's, it's a different front that a lot of, of, of younger DCs are using now in the league stealing it from college. Sean Desai is one of them, right? He came from the Vic Fangio defense that used this kind of approach. Um, it's a different front, gets you different blocks. Your linebackers play a little different. It's just a nice tool to have in the toolbox, right? And so when you think about like uh, um, uh, a Roy Robertson-Harris in Chicago uh, when, when Sean Desai was there, think about a Draymond Jones with Vic Fangio in the Broncos, right? Like a 285-pound defensive tackle. He's playing that, that role, but he's at least lighter than expected. That's the sort of role that an Ojimo fills, right? This dude's this dude is long and strong. This is just a football player. This is just a big, healthy, athletic young man, right? Pass rush wise, uh, not a lot of juice. Uh, line up at a true defensive end and beat a tackle one on one. Not really in his game. Um, but this, like, he'll put his hands on you and walk you back, right? And so this is this is a guy who's going to be providing early down value when they're in their run stopping fronts. Again, like if you're listening in season. Think about how we talk about, okay, John Gannon plays this front on an early down to stop the run to get into his pass rush front. Ojimo is that, right? I'm going to play him on my early downs. He's going to help me stop the run. So that way I'm in a clear passing situation and I can get him off the field and get Milton Williams on the field and then let Milton Williams cook from the inside, right? That's the sort of role he fills and it's it's a role they had open on their team. So good day three drafting, role player, good measurables, get him in the building. Interesting group of uh, different shapes and sizes and skill sets for them at defensive 100%. tackle right now. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams, and now Ojimo. You can do kind of different things based on what the game plan calls for, depending on what the game situation calls for. Jonathan Gannon, by the way, did not talk to reporters uh, any day during this draft period. Uh, any beat I was on, that was unheard. Like, no, they the coach talked literally every after every 
night of the draft to not talk at all. That's pretty interesting. It has been a rough go for uh, Johnny yeah. Gantz over, I, over I, there. I love and Arizona. Much of it is uh, all of it his own doing, honestly. I love Gannon check-ins on the Philly special. I think we might have to keep this rolling in season. Just be like, <laughs> yep, Eagles beat, you know, the Bears 34 to 7, week six, Jalen Hurts, four touchdowns. Let's go to our John Gannon reporter out in Phoenix. <laughs> Uh, Bobby, what what do we have there in that twenty four point Augustine. loss? For the I think Cardinals. that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be Cliff Augustine. Cliff, the Gannon must, report you know, during the during the season. Yeah, every week. All right, Cliff. What what did Cliff? We're gonna assign Cliff to give us a rundown on what the Cardinals and Johnny Gans did every week. Cliff, yeah, you're smiling. Yeah. You love this I, idea. I refuse to be part of it. I ref, I can't give it. There's no way. Why y'all gonna Cliff's make you're making this? mature decisions? Why, Cliff? They're yeah. gonna go like. Three and 14. This is going to be fun for you. What do you mean you refuse to be a part of it? Because like the more and more I hear, more and more I hear this guy's name, the more and more like sick I get to my stomach. Like I can't stand him, man. Like I'm so over him. Please don't make me talk about him all season long. Please. I'll do it. I'll do it after like, I'll do it after like week four, week eight. You know what I mean? And then like, so like every month, every month. How about this? Only if like, something noteworthy like funny is happening like you know he tried to call timeout and they didn't have a timeout or okay. like they gave up like a, a franchise record like 700 yards or something then you do it i think that that might be a little more fun yeah yeah you know we're gonna I, play I, it up I'll, I'll, I'll give the game report like a like a newscaster does the weather all right i got you exactly yeah it's gonna sponsor I, we might be able to get a sponsor for that clip there we go yes i just yes. said yeah you know what we will get a sponsor I just sent you guys a meme in the uh, in, in the group chat. You got to check it. I sent it because I know if I reference a meme, Sheila won't know it. Uh, Cliff, I, I would have trusted you, but I need to help Sheila out. Uh, it's got a little someone's downfall happening. That's it's a true. sad person on one side, and then another person on the other side. Uh, me watching because I prayed for it. That's just that's me with that's, that's me with Gannon just for the next upcoming season. Just like oh, Cardinals are still bad. Chucks. Honestly, if we want to next level this thing though. We do not want them to be the worst team in the NFL, and we do not want the Texans to be the worst team in the NFL, because then Caleb Williams comes, he solves everyone's problems, he gets everyone paid, so we actually need them to, again, like maybe have this the third worst record. I don't even want them getting Drake May. Let's have them have the third worst record, let's mm-hmm. have the Texans have the third or fourth worst record, and They're let's have someone else the get They'll one lose and two, because if, if you get Caleb Williams, yeah, you're yeah. set. Cliff, while we have you yeah. here, why don't we why don't we get your take? You've been talking to your Eagles fans, friends all yes. three days. I've been watching uh, YouTube highlights it of Georgia. Seems to me, you've been like, watching YouTube highlights of Georgia as we were waiting to record the yes. pod. I mean, on my uh, you know, my friends seem to be just like over the moon, like how we nailed it. We love it. Everything's good. Where are you at? Where are your boys at? I'm 100% thrilled. The guys are thrilled. I'm getting text messages from my people that went to UGA. They keep hitting me up like, wow, man, you guys you guys got some dogs. One of them, unfortunately, is a Cowboys fan. So she uh, she hit me up. She was like, why, why do you guys keep getting all of our good players? I'm like, oh, that, that sucks. Hey, maybe you guys should stop drafting people from Michigan. Anyways, I'm thrilled. I love the Ringo pick, by the way, Ben. We, I mean, I remember I hit you up earlier. I hit you guys up earlier in the yeah. chat. I was like, wait, how the hell did he just drop to like the fourth round? So that's crazy to me. And on top of that, I love the Swift edition. Uh, again, he's a great running back out of the backfield. That, Like you said, he catches screens and stuff like that. That's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. misdirection with the guys pulling with him. Like behind that, that's scary. Like that's scarier than you like gave it credit for. 
Yeah, he has upside. I, I think there's no doubt. He he could have a monster. Like him having a monster season is absolutely in play. He's he's a talented player. Yeah, I I just look at it overall from like the top like four players. I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. Like you guys got all Georgia Bulldogs, all elite talent, all dudes that are you know just from the South, corn fed, ready ready to eat up here. Like I, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm ready for the season Firstly, to start. I can't yeah. wait, man. I'm Firstly, I'm corn fed is the Midwest, the season, man. Uh, yeah, corn fed is, is that what that is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's they the down corn in Georgia. <laughs> Wait, what you? They don't eat cornbread in Georgia. I mean, they eat cornbread. I'm just saying, corn fed. That's my thing for. That's my thing for. All Iowa. right, you know. All right, how about that's this? Corn how about this? like corn Iowa? Fed. Yeah, corn fed. Yeah, yeah, how, how about this? Yeah. How about this? They're Waffle House fed. Is that is that yeah. better? Absolutely, chicken fried steak, collard greens. Again, the good stuff. Uh, I yes. need to know. Here's what I need to know. I need to know how quickly. Cliff went to the group chat to say DeAndre Swift's St. Joe's prep. So I just, the second they got Swift, I was like, Cliff's telling everybody he knows St. Joe's prep. That's St. Joe's. That's St. Joe's product. You, you know what? No, I actually said he's a Philly guy first. Forget about the prep. The prep is like the uh, top of the top institution mm-hmm, in the city. Mm-hmm. It's an all boys Catholic yeah. school. Like the prep, LaSalle, uh, Roman, um, you name it. All, all those schools are, you know, all boys Catholic preparatory schools. DeAndre Swift is from like uptown North Philly. Like his dad is an ox. He owns a gym. Yeah. Uh, it's called Swift Fit. I don't know. Is it, yeah. Like his dad is huge. Like I, I'm high for that just alone. Like, so first and foremost, forget yes. about the prep. I don't really root for the prep. It's all about just him being from Philly, which, which I love. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So okay. everybody's thrilled yeah, about I that. Wanna, I want this. I want this to be an off season segment, Cliff. We'll, we, we got to get DeAndre Swiss, uh, dad, dad. On and tell, Yo, and, we should, and he, he probably yes. will come on too. We should. Yes. And, and he needs to lay out a training program for an old guy like me to make sure everything's working and make sure I age in the proper way. I mean, that would be, that's like a great May, June episode. I think we yes. gotta, we you, gotta work on that. You know what we can do? Yo, we can get the film crew out, right? We got to go to his gym. Oh, we go to his he, gym. He, yeah. We go, to his, oh, for sure. we go to his gym. We get some good work in, you know, we see, we see what Deandre had to do growing up with his pops. And then, you know, that's some good, wholesome ringer content right there. Right. Anybody who awesome. has not, I anybody listening who has not Googled or Twitter searched DeAndre Swift dad needs to do it right now. You guys have to understand who we're talking about. They did a whole, when he was drafted in 2020, Swift was, they did a whole thing on his dad. They were like, hey, just look at his dad lifting. Like, you know, the draft coverage is bananas. It was so <laughs> funny. What a guy. I love him so much. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for DeAndre. I hope he just stays healthy. He fits right perfectly with Jalen Hurts. Man, I, guys, like I said last night, are y'all ready to like run this back again? Like, are y'all ready for this? Absolutely. Are y'all ready for the season we had just like last year? I can't wait. I cannot wait. They're set up well. All right. Thank you, Cliff. There's, yeah. there's Cliff checking in. Cliff is hype about these moves here. All right. I want to go through this one exercise to end the show back. All right. So okay. Eagles are getting universal praise. I mean, our, our three shows, we've been saying... It just feels like they kill. You know, we throw a little jab at the Tanner McKee pick. Other than that, we're like, yeah, they pretty much have done a fantastic job. You heard Cliff. Everyone is excited about him. You know, I have to throw a little Negadelphia in here and just say, mm-hmm. let's, let's at least acknowledge what the other side could look like, what it could do. So here are the questions I have. How do the Eagles get three prominent, decorated players from the best defense in the country at draft slots lower than consensus is, is Howie Roseman just smarter than everybody? Or do other teams know something the Eagles don't know? 
Uh, are we going to mention how the two Georgia players they drafted last year did nothing and couldn't get on the field? So maybe we should just have a little grain of salt, settle down a little bit with it. They were complete non-factors. Uh, are there GMs around the league? You know, they're, they're looking at this. They're wondering why Howie Roseman is getting praised because they're saying, I can't believe they took a risk on Jalen Carter after what we learned during our scouting process, after what Kirby Smart told us. Are they looking at Nolan Smith and going 238 pounds, did not have great college production and coming off a season-ending injury and everyone's in love with Howie Roseman? Are they looking at Keely Ringo going, we heard Ben Solak on the pod say he can't cover Terry McLaurin uh, on third down in man coverage. Well, how are you going to be a corner in the NFL when you can't cover guys on third and six in man coverage? That's fine. You can play that zone on first and second down. At some point, you're going to have to play a little cover one. So that's the other side of it. If you have a hater in your life, if you have a text thread and someone's always negative, I would imagine those are some of the questions that would be asked. Now, I think some of those questions are actually valid and reasonable questions to ask. Again, as we sit here and say, we both think they did a great job in this draft. So to some of those questions, how do you respond? Other than just saying, shh, 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 as you tend to do. I mean, I was about to go, <laughs> so that was, I mean, that, that was the extent of my, of my response. Um, yeah, I, I, the, thing, the thing that I'll go back to is, is the thing I was talking about earlier with Roseman, where it's... Uh, Taking cumulative small risks is like, it's just like, I don't want to get too nerdy, but it's like positive expected value, right? It's how like betting and poker works. It's how like sports gambling works. If you are taking multiple risks over time that are positive expected value, over time, you're you're going to be up, right? Because sometimes you're going to have bad runs. Like, you know, Carter's not going to be able to handle it as a professional. Nolan Smith's going to be too small to, to hang in the league. And Keely Ringo's going to be too tight. And it's going to be a bad draft. And like when... Roseman had those drafts. We got on his case about it. Like, like I'm, I say all the time, like Roseman, not a great, uh, 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 player evaluator, like talent evaluator. I was saying it after the 2020 draft when he took Jalen Hurts, who's a quarterback who I didn't think was going to be accurate enough to succeed in the NFL, and then he chased it with Davion Taylor, who was like a wide receiver playing linebacker. One of those risks did not pan out. The other risk was extri- like again, like hit on the highest, highest, highest possible tail end. But overall, you end up a net positive after taking those risks, right? Like Roseman had a great run of drafting 2020, 2021, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams, Kenneth Gainwell. And then 2022, like you said, like none, none of these guys really saw the field yet. But like that 2020 into 2021 draft sequence was great. He's going to have some drafts where he misses. And like we feel great about all these picks right now, but there's a reason they were there. And there's a chance that some of them miss. I continue to love the approach. Like, like the, like, I, I was not a buyer in on the Roseman draft approach for a while. And the more I learn about like how drafting works and how confidence works and how prospects work, the more I appreciate the approach. I think it's a smart approach. So if they miss, they miss. But well, it's I, also I, different, I, yeah. I think. I mean, I think the la- I think the last couple of years have been different than uh, than previous years, and I think he's admitted as much. Like I think it might just be more simplified i mean you look at the players they're taking they're not uh they're like you said it could be as simple as take the best players from the best schools and you know we've scouted them and we feel uh good about them but yeah i do think his approach uh, has changed over the years yeah uh looking back at the drafts reminded me yeah he took five georgia players in the last three years remember when he took three west virginia players in two years remember shelton gibson into wendell smallwood into russell douglas do you remember remember the douglas Remember yeah. the Pac-12 run of Andre Diller, J.J. Arthega Whiteside, and Davion Taylor, right? Like, you know, like there, like there were times where it was like, all yeah. right, like, you know, uh, 
what are they dialed in on? And then 2020 was really that draft where they started going after like really good jumpers. And so, yeah, like I think that I definitely think that like, like it's gotten better over the years, but like Roseman's generally risk prone, aggressive chance taking approach to drafting. I've at this time in my understanding of the draft, like, and I think that it makes sense and I'm excited to root for those players because in three years from now, We'll all, you know, sideways mention the guys that fail. But when Nolan Smith has a 15 sack season, we won't be like, darn, they really messed up that Jalen Carter pick. Like Nolan Smith, baby. <laughs> Easy money. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think you look at it and the upside is huge. And what can you live with? What can work in your bill? I mean, that's a that's a, a nice advantage. If there are things you feel players you feel like can work in your building, in your organization that other teams might say no we're not taking that risk. Other coaches might say, no, we're not taking that risk. And your point about his job security is a huge one, especially at this stage. He's more powerful in the organization than he's ever been before. There's like no number two who's telling him, you know, who he has to like even just battle with uh, at all and have those disagreements with. Like he is uh, the guy. And right now I I think he's probably on his best one year run, maybe two year run as a GM of his 100%. career. I mean, you look 100%. at back where the roster was at the end of last season. And then from there, you've gotten AJ Brown. You had this draft, you're winning on the margins. You made a smart decision with Gardner Johnson and then letting him go. Like, uh, he just, the roster's fantastic right now. Now looking ahead. So that was just the exercise I wanted to go through. I tend to agree with you. I think it's a great draft. I mean, I love Carter. I think, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, pick on Smith at 30. That's fine. At that spot in the draft, I'm on board with it. I'm trusting him with the offensive lineman, Tyler Steen. We talked about Sidney Brown. That makes sense to me. Keely Ringo, get aggressive. You had a better grade on him. He's got upside, especially that's a position of need. I gave you those stats the yeah. other week on cornerbacks who are 30 and 32. Like This thing could get bad very quickly. It's important to get young talent in there. That's at least an option. Uh, and then McKee we talked about, and then you know a lot of people, including yourself, like Ojemo. And then you add DeAndre Swift for what 1.7 million on the final year of his rookie deal. Even if he walks, if he has, has a great year and walks, then you're talking comp pick uh, there. So uh, I like everything about it. I like the roster. I think they've got the best roster in the conference right now. Uh, where are you looking real quick from now until say week one? You know, we know that this isn't the final roster. It feels like it, but a lot of moves get made uh, in the summer. It seems to me the most obvious spot would be linebacker. Uh, you know, what do the, is the Dean just penned in there that he's going to be a starter with who Nicholas, Nicholas Morrow, are those your two starting backers right. in week one? Are you making a move in the summer? Uh, is that your main kind of concern? Is there anywhere else you're looking at right now? I think backer is interesting and I expected them to do more at wide receiver three, right? They signed Alameda Zacchaeus, who, by the way, Big Alameda Zacchaeus fan over here, Ben Solak, been tweeting about Alameda Zacchaeus since like 2018. Also St. Joe's prep. St. Joe's prep. I'm about to yeah. say yes, sir. Philly boys. Um, to him. <laughs> and then uh, they gave huge undrafted free agent money to Joseph Ngata out of Clemson. Big, tall, wiry jump ball guy. Uh, very highly ranked recruit. Talented guy. Never fully came around at Clemson. Uh, but that's that's the competition right now for Quez Watkins. And wide receivers. There's always a wide receiver somewhere, right? This is like, there's just so many of these guys. The linebacker for sure. I just never I, I I don't hold my breath for them to make moves at the linebacker position. I, I'm old and jaded and yeah. you know, no longer naive. Um, but wide receiver would be the spot where I thought coming out they'd they'd have a stronger plan for wide receiver three. Maybe they really like Ngata. Uh that's the that's the position for me where it's like, all right, like 
last year it was if one of James Bradbury or Darius Slay goes down, holy smokes. We're kind of approaching with one of AJ Brown or Devontae Smith goes down, holy smokes, in the wide receiver room. So I'll be curious to see what the depth right there looks like. And then I think the last one would probably be safety. I think they sort of probably made that safety move with Terrell Edmonds was kind of a set the floor type addition. But if there is an opportunity to add somebody like Gardner Johnson yeah. last year, I think they would, uh, they would absolutely explore that as well. All right. Are we, are we doing draft grades? Are we not doing a, doing a grade here? What do you, how are you feeling? Do you feel like we've well, covered everything? Do right. you want to just give a letter so people know how much did you, I was about is this to say, the greatest yeah. draft in Eagles history and you're giving it an A plus? Where are you? I'm very happy to give a letter. I think that like, I think we did a great job talking about the class and talking about the players and the theory and everything. And hopefully that's the meat and potatoes. Hopefully nobody's fast and forwarding to 50 minutes and 20 seconds into this podcast to be like, what's the letter? But it's an A. It's an, it's an A of a draft. It absolutely is. A plus if there was no Tanner McKee. Okay, there you go. I will go. I will go A minus. Just because there's some un- there's uncertainty. I like the process for pretty much every pick except Tanner McKee. Uh, and it could hit huge. The upside is huge with this. I mean, if you get Hassan Reddick and like, uh, and, and Jalen Carter turns into Indomitian Sue, think about those two picks in the first round at the same time, as we went, uh, as we talked about in that last segment there, there are reasons why those guys were available. So there is some downside to the, uh, to the draft, but, uh, I'm all for the risks. I think they did a great job. The offseason, you look at it now, and it turned out better than I was uh, expecting. I think they're in the driver's seat in the NFC. That doesn't mean they're 100% going to get back to the Super Bowl, but I think they've done a good job. And think of the the picks we're knitting. The knits, no, the knits we're picking uh, when yes. we're talking about, like, oh, you know, they could upgrade at linebacker, third receiver, and maybe safety. I mean, think of the other teams in the NFL, yeah. the issues they're Did talking about. Do you have any roster. hope that we would be getting on the post day three draft podcast going, they really strong at linebacker and safety now. Were you holding out hope for that? No, I thought, I mean, I thought there was a chance that maybe they would take a flyer on a linebacker in day yeah. three, somebody that was, you know, oh, okay, you could kind of talk yourself into a guy competing, but no, I did not think they were going to make a big move there. All right. What do we, what do we do with three draft shows, three days? We were doing weeks before in the draft prep the least you could do. I know a lot of you are listening to this show. Trust me, mm-hmm. we, we heard you. We, we've heard from you. You can just leave a little review, a little rating. That wouldn't hurt you after all this free content you're getting on the Ringers Philly special. So we'll be back at some point. I don't know when. Maybe we'll send someone in Michigan out to whatever lake Ben's at. If I have a question for him, they can just kind of put him on the phone as he's fishing and he can answer uh, whether he thinks some like undrafted free agent who is showing up to their mini camp is good or not. And we can get his input that way. But uh, we'll be back at some point. Hey, Phillies back to back wins and great wins in Houston the last two days. So they've already won that series. Let's get greedy and sweep them on day three. And then, you know what? We'll, we'll see what if, happens if, with the if, Sixers. We'll listen, see what happens listen. with the Sixers. You ever see those, you know, <laughs> you know, those like those like horrible social media posts. It's like, if you don't retweet this, then you're gonna have bad luck for a year. It, leave a review or the LCL is no, not going to heal. Never see if you if, if you leave if we get okay. if we get I reviews, like that. the LCL will yeah. be fixed. Embiid back game two, dominant performance. I hate the 76ers so much. Emotionally speaking, this well, is the most damaging thing I do to myself Celtics. on a yearly basis. <laughs> in a yearly basis, yeah. 
And uh, I just wanted those guys healthy for this series because the Celtics are something's a little bit off with the Celtics. They're they're gettable Soft. in the right series situation this year. Uh, but you've got injuries. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to say anything more than we'll see what happens. All right. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone who's reached out the last three days. We will talk to you soon. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Cliff Augustine. We'll be back talking to you sometime soon on the Ringers Philly Special. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.